Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your hosts, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Talking in Circles, Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow here tonight. We're talking all things NASCAR here on a Wednesday night. We're talking about Bubba Wallace. He was named the driver then over 43 for, for the 2018 season. Also, Travis Mack is the crew chief of the number 95 Chevrolet for 2018. Andy Petrie joins Richard Childress Racing as an advisor. Uh, interesting news there. Plus, we'll preview Martinsville, talk about a little bit more Xfinity Series Silly Season news as well, and we'll take your phone calls at 917-889-8280 here, talking circle. But first, John, Bubba Wallace, the news of the day, becomes the first African-American driver to run a full-time season in the Cup Series since 1971, uh, when Wendell Scott did it. Um, drives in our 43 Ford for Richard Petty Motorsports. Uh, it sounds like they're going to run full-time. Uh, no word on sponsors and manufacturers yet, but what are your thoughts on Bubba Wallace and being the crew chief of, or being the driver of the number 43 car this week, this next um, season? I think they liked Bubba when they had the four races they had with him. And Bubba is a likable guy. After he got out of the car, I mean, he was in the top five in Xfinity points whenever the funding of the number six ran out. He's worked his way up. He's run very well when he did K&N. He's one of the huge stars out of the drive for diversity program. He ran great in the K and finished second in the points there. Won a bunch of races for Kyle Bush. I mean, Kyle Bush motorsports, whenever he was driving the truck series and whenever he ran for Gibbs every now and then he was competitive in the Xfinity car that he drove there. He was pretty good in the, um, he was decent in the Xfinity car. He had a lot of bad luck last year, but this year they were consistent, but Jack Roush didn't have the funding for it. So that car dried up. Jack parked it, and Bubba's sitting there begging for a ride. It just so happened that's right when Eric Almarola got hurt, and he went into the 43. And I think they were – whenever Bubba went into that 43 car, I think uh, Smithfield was starting to get a little antsy, and you saw the big deal between Richard Petty and Smithfield, and Smithfield basically called everybody on the carpet saying you were going to, you promised you would be doing this, this, and this, and we have not seen the results that we paid a boatload of money for. But I think Bubba is in a good situation for him. I mean, he's not going to walk into Joe Gibbs racing and take over the 20 car. He's not going to go to Stuart Haas racing and take over the 14. He's not going to go to Chip Ganassi racing and take over the one. He's not going to Hendrick Motorsports. He's not going to Team Penske. He's a rookie driver, and we don't know what kind of equipment it's going to be next year because Petty does not have a contract with a manufacturer yet. Yeah. And, and listen, they don't have the people to build the team and do the things they do, so they're going to have to align with somebody. So it's just a matter of um, whether <clears throat> Richard Petty's going to align with Childress and go to Chevy. Are they going to align with uh, Stuart Haas and stay Ford. Are they going to align with um, Joe Gibbs and go to Toyota? Cause Toyota probably would like that six car there. I mean, they've run well with six cars this year. 
I think they'd like a six car that's under the manufacturer's umbrella. So we'll see what happens. Um, Joe, Bubba ran well for Toyota. It looked like Ford was pushing to keep him in the camp, but nobody had a full-time good ride for Bubba, so he had to take the best that he had. And I'd rather drive for Richard Petty Motorsports in mediocre cup equipment than be a mediocre Xfinity driver. I see your point there, and I understand that for sure. But you brought up a good point when you said he's not going to walk into Joe Gibbs Racing and take over the 20 car. No doubt about it. And I think, But I think ultimately that's what your, your goal is as a race car driver. You want to drive in the best equipment possible. And what will get you there? And that's the thing I look at this. And listen, I think for him it's an upward move. Um, but you brought, it's a mediocre ride. Richard Petty Motorsports has won one race in the last, what, six, seven years. And it was a restricted plate race at Daytona with Eric Amarola. Um, you know, they've got a few road course wins with Marcos Ambrose and that's it. You know, other than that, they really haven't been that all that competitive. Um, and I understand it's a ride that is decent. It's a top 15 ride week in, week out. Um, but I think ultimately if you're Bubba Wallace, if you had a ride to run in the Xfinity series in a, in, a, in competitive stuff and build your way up and build up that resume and build up the momentum to get you to the next level, like we've seen with Eric Jones. I mean, Eric Jones, everybody looks at Eric Jones and says, this kid is the next superstar. He's going to drive the 20 car next year. He could go out and make the chase next year and win the championship potentially. Uh, there's a, you know, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, young kids who have – are in big-time rides who have a nice shot. Bubba Wallace is in a mediocre ride here with Richard Petty Motorsports, and this is all he can get. I understand that. But I always felt the biggest problem with Bubba's career was when that Xfinity Series deal shut down because this year. Because when he, if he won a race there and carried that momentum and got to the Cup Series and some big-time, you know, a big-time team said, hey, listen, we can sell he, and he's won Xfinity Series races, and all that, it might have been better off for his career. Right now, he's in a mediocre cup ride. If you do well there, and you do what you're supposed to, what is his next move? Is somebody going to go out and grab him? You don't really see that anymore. You don't see these, these guys in mediocre cup equipment move to top-notch cup equipment. You don't really see that because of development deals. So it certainly is a good deal for him. I think it's a full-time deal that's going to be pretty competitive. I do think he's going to be in a Chevrolet next year, driving for Richard, driving Richard Childress Racing stuff. But at the end of the day, you got to sit there and wonder, could his career have been in a better path had this Xfinity deal not shut, shut down? Um, I can't say one way or the other. I mean, you look at how some of these kids have come up to the Cup Series. Um, Chase Elliott, Hendrick picked him out of the – Signed him up when he was 14. Ran a couple years at K&N. Got to 18. Ran his two years of Xfinity Series. And then he went to Cup. And probably the only reason he did the second year of Xfinity was because Jeff Gordon wanted to do a farewell tour. Or it would have been the same problem. Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney ran one year for Keselowski and Trucks full-time. And then he was the fill-in driver of the Xfinity car because Logano and Keselowski took most of the races. I think Blaney ran maybe eight or ten races max a year 
in the Xfinity Series car before the Wood Brothers did the alignment with Penske. And now Penske's brought him back home. But Blaney took a weird path. It wasn't like the Ryan Blaney, or I mean, the Ryan Newman thing when he did his thing, where he came in and did um, the ABC, where he did ARCA Bush Cup and then went full bore for Rookie of the Year. I think right now a lot of it is everybody's trying to get. I mean, you look the last driver who moved to good equipment, and that was Kurt Busch after he lost his good equipment ride with Penske because. He was dink. Finch went to Furniture Row, and then get back worked himself back into really good stuff. Nobody else is doing that. Boyer's the closest one because he went from Waltrip when they shut down into Stuart Haas. Truex, when he got pushed away that first year, they were at um, Furniture Row. They were a train wreck that first year, but then. Everything clicked when Cole Pern came became the crew chief. But you're right. Nobody's moving from good ride to good ride anymore. It's like you get your shot in the good ride, and you stay there. Are you there, Clayton? And we're back here on Talking in Circles a little, after a little technical difficulties here. But, you know, to me what, what this does, uh, as far as, you know, what we were talking about before with, with, um, with Bubba Wallace, you know, I just think when you look at, you know, I don't know. I don't know what this does for his career as far as, yeah, it's a full-time cup ride. But, I mean, let me ask you this, for example. Can Bubba Wallace, knowing what you know now, obviously we're not sure what the team's doing. It sounds like they're going to be changing manufacturers. We don't know what the sponsorship situation's like on that 43 car. Knowing what you know now, do you think this is a, a, a team that can make the chase next year or, excuse me, the playoffs next year? Because I don't see it. I don't, I'm, and, I don't, and, and this isn't a knock on Bubba Wallace. You know, if they hired Matt Kenseth, I think they would have a tough time making a chase. So that's my point to this is this isn't a, a great, great ride right now. And, you know, if he fails after three running here three years, he fails, his career could be over. Uh, I just think it would have been beneficial for him to, to you know, I, I think losing that Xfinity Series ride this season really hurt him. I, I don't disagree with that. But I think also Bubba is not a silver spoon coming with, a ton of sponsorship with him because if he was, he'd still be driving from Jack Roush. A lot of the Xfinity good rides, you buy your way in. Ryan Priest got to run three races for Joe Gibbs Racing because they didn't have enough people to drive all four cars, and he brought some sponsorship with him for those races. You don't see Ryan Priest getting a full-time ride with Joe Gibbs Racing yet for next year. Bubba Wallace does not bring a full-time sponsorship with him right now. I think uh, Steve O'Donnell, I mean, uh, I'm not Steve O'Donnell, but Brian Frank said NASCAR is working with the teams to try to help get sponsorship for Bubba Wallace and Danica Patrick because they want to keep promoting the diversity of the, of the sport. But if he's not taking the Richard Petty Motorsports ride right now, 
his career might be over because he right. doesn't have a ride. I mean, look at Corey LaJoy. Corey LaJoy is every bit as good a racer as Bubba Wallace is. Agreed. But he took the BK Racing ride because it was a ride. And there's a lot of these guys now who they want to keep their career moving. Take a ride because there's a ride there. David Reagan, he had his shot with Roush Fenway. And it was at the beginning of the end of Roush Fenway of what we knew it. And he never really was in the best stuff because you knew they were making sure Carl Edwards had it because Ford was paying a boatload of money for Carl Edwards to be in that car. Kenseth being a cup champion was the um, workhorse of Roush Fenway racing at the time. Biffle was still solid. And then the six car. And Reagan really get a good shot with Roush Fenway racing. And then after a year, UPS went away and they said, Hey, David, thanks for playing. Good luck at uh, Front Row or wherever you're going to end up. And that's what happened. And it's sad that it is that way. It's not like it was back in the day where the the teams hired a driver. And they went and got a sponsor. And the sponsor was sponsoring the car. Mm-hmm. And there's not the activation that goes into it. There's not the social media campaigns that go into it. It was a return on investment because you had eyes on the prize. Now they want the eyes on the prize plus the activation, plus the social media, plus the uh, meet and greets and everything like that. It makes it tough to get a decent ride. Brandon McReynolds is another example of a good ride, a good driver who's never going to get a chance because Larry McReynolds said, I don't have $400,000 out of my pocket to buy an engine program and buy the engines for this team. And that's basically what he was told. If Brandon wants to drive for this team, we need 400,000 bucks for you to buy good buy the engines to make sure he has good horsepower. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to now. It's all about money, no doubt about it. And I'm not trying to knock this cuz I think it's a good day. It's a good day for NASCAR. It's a good day for Bubba Wallace, you know, like I said, first African American driver since 1971 to run full-time in the Cup Series. I mean, that's that's something to be proud of. Um, but as far as long-term is concerned, when I look at this move, you know, it, it, this, this isn't where it was, like you said, 20, 25 years ago when Jeff Burton, for example, was in the Cup Series and Bobby Labonte, when they got their feet wet in a, in a mediocre ride in the Cup Series and did very well and, and showed some flashes of brilliance and then were hired by the big-time teams. Bobby Labonte was hired from Bill Davis Racing, uh, was hired by Joe Gibbs Racing from Bill Davis Racing. Jeff Burton was hired by Roush Fenner Racing from uh, Stavola Brothers Racing. So, you know, I, I just don't see that anymore. Now, I say that, and it's funny to, to bring that up because one of the moves you're probably going to see here in the next couple of weeks is Eric Amarola. And he's Bubba is here in the 43 car. That leaves Eric Amarola's future sort of a mystery. Where does he go for next year? Um Listen, I think everybody under, and their brother uh, looks at it right now and says, well, we know uh, Smithfield's going with Stuart Haas Racing. Eric Amarola had a relationship with Smithfield at Richard Petty Motorsports. The 10 car, Danica Patrick's not going to be there next year. It lines up for Eric Amarola to be in that 10 car next year for Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, do you think that this announcement sort of you know, makes that a little bit more concrete? Although we did know Amarola wasn't returning to that team. Uh, what are your thoughts on Amarola's future here? I think if it was concrete, 
Tony Stewart and Gene Haas would have announced it already. I still think there's thoughts in the back of their mind that he may not be the right guy. Um, I know Smithfield is committed to Stewart Haas racing, but if I remember correctly, there is a clause in the contract that Eric Almirola was not allowed to take Smithfield with him. So Smithfield went to Stewart Haas because they thought Stewart Haas was a bigger return on the investment than going with Richard Petty Motorsports. The dominoes look like it's going to be Eric Almirola in the 10, but I would have thought what that domino would have fallen already. And Tony Stewart said a couple weeks ago, whenever he was doing the promotion for Aspen Dental, and he was asked, what's the situation with your team? He says, we're still working to try to get Kurt Busch back. Um, it's still fluid with all of our, I mean, the only two things that are locked in is Kevin Harvick is driving a full four and a full sponsored team. The 14 of Boyer is going to exist, but we don't know what the sponsorship is on that. I mean, the only thing that you saw in the 14, there's a couple mobile ones because mobile one went with the Stuart Haas package, but they put most of their stuff on Harvick. There's a couple rush truck center races that uh, Boyer is going to do. They said earlier this week that Aspen Dental probably was not coming back to the sport because I think they're kind of, they kind of lined themselves up with Danica and liked having Danica with them because they expanded their season to double-digit races instead of the three or four they did before. But I, I'm not convinced that Eric Almirola is going to be the locked-in driver of the 10. There's still a part of me out there that says, even though if you listen to the race on Sunday and Jeff Burton, whenever uh, Matt Kenseth basically got disqualified from the race, all but said that, it's a, it's a shame that Matt Kenseth didn't get a chance to win a championship in his final season. Jeff Burton and Matt Kenseth were former teammates. are pretty tight friends. Maybe Burton let the cat out of the bag. But I still don't – I wouldn't lock it in. That there still could be a chance that they make a push for Kenseth later on before it's over. I still think there's that 27 car at Childress that has a charter that needs to run somewhere. I mean, right now we have so many charters sitting out there. The 44 charter is out there. Well, it's got to come back to Petty. So they'll lease out the 43 charter next year or sell the 44 charter. The 77 sold its charter. Um, there's the charter wow. that Roush Fenway has that Chris Busher's running because it sounds like the, thir- the 77 charter was bought by 37. I mean, this whole silly season is weird because of the sponsorship, because of the youth that's coming up and taking rides at probably a fifth of what it costs for a Matt Kenseth or a a stud like that. You see Casey Kane going from Hendrick to Levine Family Racing, who's only run a full-time schedule two years. And mm-hmm. play the charters into it, so there should be – um, musical chairs going on probably until the week before Daytona. Listen, no doubt. And, you know, I think Amarola is a lock-in for that ride. I just don't see Kansas because of the reasons what you just said. Unfortunately, I don't see Kansas getting a ride. I think he's a great driver. He does a lot of good things. He's still talented. He can still win races. I think he's still one of the top 10, top 15 talents out there in the sport. But there's just not enough seats right now for him. Uh, I think for Kurt, as far as Kurt Busch is concerned, 
they're waiting to see what Monster Energy does. Monster Energy is sort of weighing their options as far as returning past the 2018 season as a title been sponsor of the series. Uh, so I think they're sort of waiting on that to get Kurt Busch locked up and see what everything goes there. Um, so I think all that, you know, weighs into the decision. Um, but to get back to the 43 car here, what do you think Bubba's expectations are next year? I mean, he's going to be running for rookie of the year. He's going to be running against William Byron and a few others that we probably will see here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, but it's basically going to be a two-horse race, I think, for that Rookie of the Year championship between Byron and um, Bubba Wallace. But what are his expectations? You know, I talked earlier, this this car right now, I think I'm a roller. It, this car in owner points right now is probably somewhere between 23rd and 24th in owner points. And that's with Eric Amarola, who's been in, the, been in the Cup Series here for six, seven years, who's got a lot of experience underneath him. Um, what are the expectations for this ride next year? And what are, what are Bubba's expectations next year? I think Bubba's expectations are try to keep it in the top 20. The one thing you notice whenever he drove it for those four races, each race he got better. Uh, I think he started getting the hang of it, and then Almirola was healthy. Um, He did well at Pocono. He qualified decent. Um, He ran, and that's one of the things that I think you are going to – you have a chance to see with Bubba – is we still have a lot of drivers who are about ready to age themselves out. Harvick's in the 40s. Boyer's in the 40s. Jimmy Johnson's in his 40s. There's three top-notch drivers right there who probably have less than five years left in their career. And we don't know what's coming up through the pipeline. I mean, yeah, there's a Christopher Bell sitting out there. There's a Chase Briscoe sitting out there. We don't know what's going to come up because – there isn't a whole lot that we've seen out there that you can say, boy, that kid, you can see that kid in the cup series on Sunday here in the next couple of years. They're about the only ones you can say that about. You look at the Xfinity series, nobody in that top, nobody who made the playoffs, I think is somebody you can hang your hat on and say, other than William Byron, who's going to the cup next year, you can hang your hat on and say, damn, that kid's going to be phenomenal in a few years. Maybe a Daniel Hemrick, but that's about it. I believe more technical difficulties are going on. I think with all the rain here in uh, the Northeast, yeah. it, <laughs> it's a mess. Yeah, yeah. listen, I think, you know, um, it's interesting. I, you know, with this 43 car, it's just, to me, I, I just think, Bubba is in an opportunity where he can get his feet wet, get in the cup series, run good for a couple of years, and then we'll see where he's at. Uh, I think ultimately, um, can he have an, is there an opportunity where he can move up? Absolutely. But we'll see about that. Uh, 917-889-8280 here. Talking circles, Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow here with you. John, we're going to move on a little bit here uh, and talk about uh, other news of the week. And that was Casey Kane. His crew chief's been announced for 2018. Travis Mack uh, will be the crew chief for the number 95 car next season with Casey Kane. Interesting on the fact that 
they're still going to have RCR engines or ECR engines, I should say. But Travis Mack comes from Hendrick Motorsports. He was the car chief this year in the last couple of years at the 88 team with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, were you surprised it wasn't a big name? What are your thoughts on Travis Mack going with Casey Kane? I think um, I think it may be that they're staying with Childress for good, and I think Travis Mack wanted to be a crew chief. There aren't any slots at the end to go up to the cup level, be a crew chief at Hendrick Motorsports, unless they were going to put him up with William Byron. I think they're going to bring his crew chief up from um, the Xfinity Series, or Darian Grubb's going to stay there. Uh, and I think Travis Mack wanted to be a crew chief. He's worked his way up. He's come through the – he raced. He came through ARCA, uh, worked in the shop at Hendrick Motorsports, went to Junior Motorsports, was a car chief for Regan Smith and Chase Elliott when they won the, when Chase won the championship. Then he moved up to be the car chief on Junior's car. I think it's interesting how the 88 car is going to change next year for uh, Alex Bowman. Junior spotter is going to Joey Logano. Now his car chief is going to Casey Kane at Levine Family Racing. It might be after they found out when, I mean, there may be some sort of crew issue or team issue that they're going to try to revamp and restart that 88 because what Greg Ives was able to do this year with the 88 wasn't much of anything. But I think, this is one of those ones where Casey Kane is trying to salvage his career. And I thought, I mean, part of it is he's able to go to Levine family racing this year because Hendrick is still going to pay most of his salary mm-hmm. because Rick said, I mean, I cut you out of the contract a year early, but I honor my contracts. He's going to pay Casey Kane. Casey Kane could have drove for anybody and been drove for him at a bargain basement rate, but he wanted to stay in Chevy he wound up going to Levine family racing. They have a technical alliance with Childress because I guess they couldn't get it worked out with Hendrick to have a technical alliance. And I think they're going to stay that way because I think there's a, a faction of Hendrick motorsports, mainly Jimmy Johnson, who hated the fact that whenever they had the technical alliance with Stuart Haas racing, that Kevin Harvick was blowing his doors in. And I think Hendrick has struggled this year. I think they want to keep everything in house and figure out what their problems are and figure out how to fix them and not be sharing information with somebody else who can use that information to beat them. It's interesting because this is an organization that never lets their guys, you know, that hires within. Um, I remember a few years ago when Dale Jr., when Steve LaTarte left um, and went to the broadcast booth, you know, and there was questions of, who are they going to hire for Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s crew chief? And there were some big names out there. I can't really remember them. But there were some big names being kicked around as far as who would be his crew chief. And I remember saying, listen, this is a team that hires within. Greg Ives is next. And that's the, sort of the way, way thing go, things go now. Uh, very rarely do you see a, an organization let their big guys get away from them. Uh, take a look at Joe Gibbs Racing. Joe Gibbs Racing, all their crew chiefs, have been hired within Jason Ratcliffe, uh, you know, uh, Adam Wheeler. Stevens, Mike Wheeler, Mike Wheeler, and and Scott Grace. Now Scott Grace is over at Roush Fenway, but they brought him into the Xfinity Series with Daniel Suarez, and then moved him up to the Cup Series. So, listen, all these guys, Chris Gale, uh, the, the crew chief of the 77 car. 
So all these guys have been part of, of Joe Gibbs Racing. That's the way it goes. Hendrick works that way as well. Um, so kind of surprised to me that they would go to this route and sort of let Travis Mack walk here. Um, and Greg Ives, like you said, this 88 team switching roles here. Greg Ives um, is still going to be a crew chief, but that's really it. They're, they're losing their car chief. They're losing their spotter. We'll see what they do with engineering-wise. Um, but Bowman, it's going to be a very different team next year. When you lose your spotter, you lose your driver, you lose your car chief, a very different team over there on an 88 car. Uh, but Travis Mack, we saw him as a crew chief once this year. He was at, he was at Richmond with Dale Jr. when uh, Greg Ives was suspended, I think, for lug nuts. Um, he did an okay job there, but, you know, taking a full-time responsibility here in that 95 car next season, replacing Todd Parrott, with who's, his future is still up in the air as well. Um, so a lot, of different, uh, a lot of different things out there, John. Uh, what about Travis Mack here? What are his expectations? This 95 team, is this team a – championship a I shouldn't say championship contender a playoff contender right now as they sit remember Casey Kane has been at Hendrick Motorsports for th- the last three years and hasn't made the chase uh has barely made a chase I should say barely made it this year um by a win in Indianapolis didn't make it the last year I don't think he made it the year before barely made it the year before that this 95 team a team that's growing with Michael McDowell this year they're bringing a, a big-name crew chief, uh, not a big-name crew chief, but a guy who's worked with a big organization before, Casey Kane. Can this team make the playoffs next year, John? I think it'll take a lot of luck. I think um, Casey Kane hasn't forgotten how to drive. One of the things that they drivers don't forget how to drive. I think sometimes the package is something that doesn't agree with the driver. And Casey Kane, to me, drove a lot like Tony Stewart. And this Gen 6 car came in. Both of them ran well when it first came in. Then they took the horsepower away. And both of them were a mess. And I think it could be someone who could help Levine Family Racing move forward. The only problem is, it's a one-year deal. You could see the same thing we had the crew chief for Casey Kane, who got let go before Darian Grubb took over. Uh, when he went to Richard Childers and was crew chief for the 31 for one year. Or no, he went, yeah, he went to uh, Childers, did the 31 for a year. And then they moved Kenny Francis out, put him back in as a crew chief. You've seen some of the other organizations hire from the outside, but Joe Gibbs hired Darian Grubb. They thought they were getting a coup, but just Darian Grubb somehow – did not fit with Joe Gibbs racing and he went through three drivers and then they said, okay, mm-hmm. Darian, your contract's up. Thanks for playing. And he wound up going back into the shop in the engineering department at uh, Hendrick Motorsports. It's weird how the crew chief situations are. The 95 cars will be very interesting this year because everybody's there probably on a one-year deal. And Casey Kane's going to look and see what's open next year. And this is going to be his try to revive his career. The problem, if you remember, that's what Boyer was supposed to be doing. He was supposed to go and help H. Scott Motorsports get to that next level. And he brought five-hour energy sponsorship with him. And H. Scott Motorsports didn't do jack for him. They ran it um, with less. They ran. It seemed like they ran less than they did when James Finch was in there putting in uh, Phoenix construction on the hood because it was his company and he wanted to go racing. It just seemed like that 
everything H. Scott did, where they said, we're going we're gonna to make sure you have a competitive ride. Clint Boyer had the worst year of his life. I think this is the bridge year where Casey Kane's going to try to salvage his career and show that he can run really good in decent equipment. But I think it should be something very interesting to watch in 2018. Yeah, and I, I'm curious. And I know uh, they're still going to be using ECR engines. There's no doubt about that. But I'm curious to see how much Hendrick and this team has an alliance here for next season, whether or not it one even exists, whether it's just, you know, I'm looking too much into it. Uh, we'll see. I think, um, you know, they, they had an, the problem with, with this team was they had an engine contract with ECR that they couldn't get out of. So I think they're stuck with that for a year. And then maybe you'll see, you'll see them uh, get Hendrick Motorsports engines the following year. Should be interesting to see. Now in seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero Hill talking in circles, Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow here with you tonight. Uh, other news, kind of an interesting little detail. I think a lot of people sort of missed today with the excitement of Bubba Wallace going to the 43 car. Uh, Andy Petrie, who a broadcaster, former owner, former crew chief of Harry Gant and Dale Earnhardt back in the 90s, uh, he is taking an advisor role, an advisor role at Richard Childress Racing for next season. Um, RCR. To me, John, had a really disappointing year this year. I know they won two races with Austin Dillon and Ryan Newman, but they didn't have the raw speed all year long. Um, I think Richard is a value in an evaluating stage because he knows he's going to have to run pretty – they're going to have to run really good here for a second. Uh, if, if they – they're going to have to run really good here and rebound if they want to be a competitive team. Now you bring in a former car owner – and Andy Petrie to be an advisor. I thought that was very interesting. This is a guy who could basically maybe bring a fresh look to Richard Childress Racing and say, Richard, here's what you need to do uh, to make your team more competitive. What are your thoughts on that? I think part of that is Andy, Andy Petrie, it's a nice move. Petrie hasn't been in the garage doing anything when it comes to what the car does, what goes into the business operation, what the, he has not been hands on a car in 10 years. And I think it's a nice move. I think it might be one of those, Hey, what do you think about something? It might be somebody to give Richard the chance to go um, hunting more often and go fishing more often and have somebody trust people to run the organization along with Mike Dillon, his son-in-law. So it should be something, but I don't think it's something that's going to be shaking. It might be someone, like you said, to give a fresh look from the outside. But I don't think Andy Petrie really knows that much about what goes into the cars this year because they've changed so much since guys like him and Larry McReynolds were sitting on top of the box. Yeah, it's become such a, a sport filled with engineering now. Uh, and that's completely different than when Andy Petrie was a car owner. 917 here. To join the show on Talking Circles, like Lee in Virginia. Hello, Lee. How are you? What's up, guys? How are you guys? Uh, we're good. What do you want to talk about tonight, Lee? Oh, I'm going to second what, what Harlow was saying there about Andy Petrie. Um, I understand the move. Andy Petrie's a smart guy. He's done a little bit of everything in this sport. He's been an owner. He's been a crew chief. He's been a. He's even driven at times. If you look up, you know, he drove a truck for here and there. Um, he's done a little bit of everything, but I think it's sort of like almost a lateral move for Richard Childress Racing because 
he the sport's taken a, a crazy turn. You know, Todd Parrott was just let go by the '95 team because they feel like you know the team should be more engineered based rather than a veteran guy like Todd Parrott who's maybe more you know uh, rear grip based. And so that's just the way the sport's going now is more towards engineering. And you're going to bring in Andy Petrie. Uh, I don't understand it from the move of Richard Childress Racing. Yeah, Lee, I'm with you on that. I think um, it, to me it's almost like a Ray Evernham move. Ray Evernham, they say, has a role at Hendrick Motorsports, but nobody really knows what it does. What he does. Well, right. And when you listen to him with Moody, all he's talking about is whatever car he goes and finds and sneaks it by Aaron so he, she's not pissed at him about getting a new car that he's going to work on in the garage. Uh, yeah, he sits in the competition meetings on Tuesdays, but I don't know how hands-on he is on anything. If there's anything I see with Andy Petrie doing this, it might be to be able to understand what's going on with the cars again and sort of give Richard a fresh set of eyes to say, this is the chemistry on the team that is working. This is the chemistry that isn't. I mean, I think Richard Childress made a mistake here by letting Slugger Labby go in the middle of the season. Slugger is a great crew chief, but it just seemed like him and Austin weren't clicking. And they've got another set of eyes sitting there who's really, really good that they don't have a car for, it seems like, right now, in Matt Borland. What are your thoughts on that, Lee? Well, in a Borland, I think will be who, where whoever the 27 driver is next season. And from what I heard, Danica Patrick's been offered that ride, and it's sitting there on the table for her, waiting for her to sign the deal. So a Borland could go there, but, you know, Another thing that I look at from, from Richard Children's Racing is they even let Todd Parrick get away. And Todd went to the 95 team, and the moment he walked through the door of that 95 team, they became they went from a team that ran in the back to a team that ran mid-pack immediately from the moment he walked through the door. And to me, it's like, well, you can't find a spot for Todd Parrott. I mean, I understand Justin Alexander's a good crew chief and has had some success, but Todd Parrott's the man. And if you could put yeah. a veteran guy in there with it, with a young guy like like Austin Dillon, um, I think that would work tremendously. You know, listen for Todd Parrott. I'm very very high on him. Richard Petty Motorsports hasn't been the same since Todd Parrott walked out that door three or four years ago, and I don't think you know the '95 will be associated by Hendrick, so they'll probably be okay. But any team that hires him will, will go to the next stage, no question about it. I agree, and I think and I, you brought up a good point about Justin Alexander, where I thought for sure. Not that not that Alexander uh, is a bad crew chief, but it just seems like it hasn't really worked with Austin Dillon. You know, they made the move to take away Slugger Labby, who I thought is a top-notch crew chief. They move, make that move over there at Richard Childress Racing, and they bring in Justin Alexander, and the performance has gone down in that three car. They haven't had the speed. I know they won Charlotte, but that's a, that's a fuel mileage win. So to go out there, and I thought for sure they were going to bring Todd Parrott to that uh, three car, and it just – didn't work. They haven't. They're not, it sounds like they're not going to do that. So, um, you know, I agree. I think it's a head scratcher for sure. I also think Justin Alexander. Uh, they announced the move on Tuesday. They qualified Thursday for the 600. That car was a Slugger Labby car. Mm-hmm. And you heard Slugger on the post race show that night. He was happy as heck for Austin Dillon and the team because you re- if you really think about it, Slugger Labby got that win because that was his car that he built. And I think just, I mean, uh, Austin Dillon has taken a couple steps back. And Lee, I agree with you. Richard Petty Motorsports hasn't been the same since um, Todd Parrott walked out the door. But Todd Parrott also 
cause the reason for him to walk out the door. Right. He's been a very good reclamation project. He's done great with Michael McDowell. They've clicked together. Um, Michael McDowell before this year was always known for the wreck at Texas. This year he's been, you've heard about him. It hasn't just been, you hear about the 95 of Michael McDowell when they do the driver, they show where they're qualified at. I think wherever Michael McDowell goes, and if it's the front row motorsports rumor that's going around, I think Todd Parrott's going to go with him. Well, listen, that'd be a great move for front row motorsports. I think what that the only thing that that team is lacking at this point, obviously a big-name driver, but David Reagan to me is a guy that, you know, has won a couple of races in the Cup Series, has been with Roush Fenway Racing when they were pretty much still doing pretty, pretty good. Reagan's the guy where he'll sit there and he can kind of tell you whether or not he'll – just by driving, you'll know whether or not your stuff is David Reagan as the driver. He's done light years better than Mike, than Landon Castle has this year, in my opinion. So, to me, the only thing that that 34 team is missing right now, obviously other than speed, is a top-level crew chief. You know, they have Derek Finley paired there with uh, David Reagan. He's not really – he doesn't really have a track record. Seth Barber has been in the Xfinity Series. He's there with, with Landon Castle right now. If you bring in Todd Parrott, to me, that's the last piece of the puzzle – for Front Row Motorsports if they want to take that next step in the Cup Series with the top-level crew chief coming in. Yeah, and the I one think thing, Row, Go ahead, John. Go ahead, John. One of the things I was thinking about while we were talking there about Todd Parrott, there's the rumor that uh, Tony Gibson wants to not go on the road next year. Tony would like to stay home, spend some time with his family, still work in the shop at Stuart Haas. Kurt Busch needs that old man... Um, old school type of crew chief in there. Would that be the ultimate reclamation project if Todd Parrott was sitting on the box with Kurt Busch? Hey, it, well, I, mean, I could see them though, go into the engineer on that team, the car chief, the guy who's filled in for Tony Gibson. Remember when they won Pocono last year? Uh, they won with the, with the the I can't think of his name right now, but they won with the car chief there. So that's why yeah, the alphabet guy had yeah. like fifteen letters in his name. Yes. Uh, listen. And, and as far as from motorsports is concerned, they're an interesting organization because their owner, Bob Jenkins, has come out and said, listen, we want to make – we're going to make some internal – they're looking at everything. They want to make the next step into becoming a, a good team. You know, they've been kind of sitting here where they've been here for the last six, five, six years, and they've done okay. They've, they've treaded water. They've – light years where they were 10, 15, 10 years ago. Um, and I think they're getting better every year, slightly better every year. But getting better. But he's put a lot of money into this team, a lot of his own money into this team. They got a lot of sponsorship this year. They're, sounds like they're probably going to have a lot of sponsorship next year on that team as well for both cars. Um, so they want to make the next step. And I think that's looking at everybody. No disrespect to Donnie Wingo. No disrespect to Derek Finley. Uh, but those guys have been there in that organization for a little while, so they could be in a little bit of trouble there. Um, you know, you're bringing in Michael McDowell. I do think Todd Parrott's an option for that uh, 34 car next year. Maybe we would Seth Barber to the 38 and saying, hey, listen, let's see what we got with that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's very interesting to see what that team's going to do because they're looking at every single thing because they want to be more competitive. Even Jerry Free said, hey, listen, the, the general manager of that team said, listen, I might, I'm looking at myself even to see if we need to improve that because our owner wants us to get better. So uh, very interesting from there. From there. Uh, Lee, what are you hearing anything on uh, Matt Kenseth's future? You know, we t- touched on a little bit earlier uh, that it sounds like to us that Kenseth might be out of a ride. What are you hearing? Well, I'll tell you, a couple of weeks ago I heard that Kenseth 
there was a possibility that he was going to go to the 41 car at Stuart Haas Racing, but I'm hearing that Kurt Busch is a pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered going to be back there in the 41 next year. So, to me, um, Danica going to the 27, the options are few and far between for Matt Kenseth. Bob Pockris was on the late shift last night with Brad Gillian and Larry McReynolds. He said the only way he sees Matt Kenseth driving in 2018 is in a fill-in role or a sub- substitute role for somebody who may get hurt. So um, it stinks that Matt Kenseth, to me, is a guy who could still win races, still want, still run up front, guy who wants to win races and run up front, um, but just can't find a ride right now at the age of 45. Uh, too old for a sponsor to invest in, in in this day and age. And listen, I think there would be rides available. Um, I think, you know, the 47 car could easily go in there and, and can A.J. Allmendinger, who's had a miserable season and hire Matt Kenseth, but the problem is they'd still have to pay A.J. and pay Matt Kenseth on top of it, and Matt Kenseth knows what he's worth, and he's worth a lot of money. And you know what? Matt Kenseth has proven that he's worth that kind of money in his career. You know, all the all the JGR drivers this year when it was announced that he was out the door were all worried about what their performance was going to do next year without Matt Kenseth being there because they know how good he is and how good of a chassis man he is for that team. And to me, you know, I th- I just see Matt, you know, doing what Greg Biffle did this year, trying to look for a for a, a fill in role, and you know, if somebody gets hurt, maybe he can come in and fill in there. But other than that, uh, Matt Kenseth to me will not be racing in 2018. Yeah, it sounded like Jeff Burton kind of let the cat out of the bag whenever um, they disqualified Kenseth at the race, and he pretty much said it's pretty sad that in Matt's final season he's not going to have a chance to run for a championship. I mean, it's fitting for Matt Kenseth the way he is. If he did already, him and Katie may have already said, hey, we want to be done. We want to go raise the girls. We want to go to Packer games in the fall. We just want to go back to Wisconsin and live life. That's a guy who would not tell anybody he's retiring until the season's over. And you might get a note in January saying, hey, thanks. I appreciate everything you guys have done to support me over all these years. And you sounded, you heard him whenever he's in the, in the, doing the interview after, the, after they disqualified him. He wanted to thank DeWalt for being a sponsor with him for close to 20 years and made sure that he called out DeWalt and said, hey, thank you for all your support. I mean, it sounds like it. It's sad because Matt Kenseth could still win races. I wouldn't be surprised to see him still win before the season's out. Man, I agree with that. It's, it's a shame. And that's the sad part about how the business of this sport has become that you can buy your ride or if you can come in on the cheap. And if you look at it, Eric Bell's, I mean, Eric Jones is going to be a future. He's going to be a star in this sport in the future. He's not going to be a star in 2018 in that 20 car. Joey Logano became a star in the sport. But then that car went to crap and Home Depot went away because they lost half a season at Home Depot because they were tired of running 20th, 25th. And I think it's going to be the same way with that 20 car next year. It's not going to make, I mean, I really like Eric Jones, the driver. I don't think they're going to look into that car and totally stay in the top 10 in points and make it to the round of, or get it to where you're almost to the round of eight. I'm not sure they'll even make the playoffs next year. Because the two, like you said, Lee, the two people who were most disappointed in this move were Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch. Because the two biggest cheerleaders, when Matt Kenseth came to town, they learned a lot from Matt. They learned professionalism from Matt Kenseth. I think one of the things you've seen with Kyle Busch, he 
He has his moments, but he's been more professional at Joe Gibbs Racing since Matt Kenseth came to town. No doubt. And, you know, we saw what Eric Jones did. And I'm sorry. Listen, the kid has a lot of talent. He won a lot of truck races and wins a lot of Xfinity Series races. But, you know, he's had some issues this year. And even last week at, at Kansas, you know, he caused that big wreck and he just lost it, lost it uh, by himself. So uh, on the straightaway, on a straightaway, right. Coming, coming off a of turn two, right on a straightaway. So um, he's had a lot of trouble this year and Lee, Lee is gone now. Uh, so, you know, we thank him for calling the show, but he lost it. And so it's interesting that the fact that Matt Kenseth is, getting replaced by him. And I, I don't think Eric Jones is going to be a bad driver in his career, but I still think Eric Jones has some learning to do. No doubt about that. Uh, 917-889-8280, Clayton Cole, John Harlow, Talking Circles. We thank everybody for listening tonight, sticking with us through uh, some te- technical difficulties earlier on in the show. A uh, couple other things, John, I want to touch on here. Uh, the Xfinity Series. I know this uh, isn't a big, big news to a lot of people, um, but a team that's near and dear to my heart just because I love the team owner so much, and that's Jimmy Means. They announced earlier last week that uh, Means Motorsports is probably going to be looking for a new driver next year. They've had Joey Gase there the last two seasons, uh, and they are a back-of-the-pack team, no doubt about it. You know, a top 25 is a good night, a good day for them. Um, but Joey Gase, you know, it looks like he might be moving to the Cup Series, or he's, at least he's looking for a Cup ride next year. Uh, but Jimmy Means, is t- uh, an old-school guy, a guy who's still – you know, he, he cracked. I love, what I love about him is he's the type of guy that without racing, I don't know what he would do because he just, he, he's a racer through right. and through. And, uh, you know, a team that is going to need a driver next year for sure, John. Yeah. It's, uh, kind of sad. I mean, Jimmy means has put his heart and soul into that team and Joey Gase has made it respectable. They've been top 20, top 25, it's not like back there finishing 35th, 36th on a regular basis. Joey Gase is one of those guys who can keep a car clean because Jimmy Means doesn't have a inventory of 35 cars. He can go out and wreck one every week. I mean, Joey Gase has kept them cars clean. He's respectable in what they've run. And it's sad that Jimmy Means is going to be looking for a driver, looking for a sponsor. But I think somebody is going to want to run. And as long as Jimmy Means puts a car out there, somebody want to drive for him. Uh, Clay, one of the things I looked at just here real quick, because we only got about six minutes left in the show. With Martinsville this weekend, the weather right now is an 80% chance of rain Sunday. And the bad weather is not expected to taper off until the evening. And a 3 o'clock start time. You know what they did this past year? They put a $5 million LED lighting system in. Are we going to see the first night race at Martinsville this weekend? It certainly I think looks we're that going way. To. I mean, I mean, it really does. It certainly looks that way. I think when you look at uh, the start times, maybe they'll push that up if they feel like they, uh, you know, if earlier in the day it's it's a little bit better. We saw them do that. And it looks like we're having some more technical difficulties with Clayton. Um, it was funny because Harvick talked about it last night on Happy Hours, and uh, he sees the perfect storm of issues that could happen. Nobody other than a few late model drivers, have turned a lap in Martinsville at night. So it should be something really interesting to see. Um, He kept talking about it. He said it's going to be interesting because you're in the playoffs and everybody's going to have 
deal with something they've never dealt with before. There's only ever been one full race run at night. It was on September 23rd, whenever they ran the biggest late model stock car race of the year, the Valley Credit Union 300. It's going to be a cool weekend. One of the things with Marsville, when it's cool, the the track doesn't rubber up like it's supposed to. So it will be a follow the leader race down on the bottom of the track. But how how good are you going to how good your visual is going to be? How good are you going to be able to um, see the car behind? The car behind the car in front of you? How, how good are you going to be able to find in pit road? I wonder if NASCAR is going to do a practice at night that just to because of the way the forecast is going to be. I think they're going to, if they have the chance, they're going to try to run it Sunday night instead of doing it Monday afternoon because, excuse me, all these people come to Martinsville, they camp out and everything like that. They all got to go back to work on Monday. So it's something you um, really have an issue with, Clayton, of whether they wait until Monday or try to get it in Sunday night. And I think you're going to try to get it in Sunday night. It's just a matter of whether NASCAR lets them go out and practice so they can understand what the lighting around them is going to be. Yeah, listen, I think it's. Uh, I think they'll try and get it in as much as they can Sunday night. I think they try and do that for the fans who bought the tickets. You know, like you said, they all got to work Monday, and they're not going to be able to watch the race on Monday uh, if they stick around for Monday. And that's the advantage of having lights. If you have them, you better use them. You know, and you, you talk up the lights and, and everything, uh, you know, saying, hey, we got lights here now. You better use them then if, if it's going to rain. And it, how co- what a coincidence it is. I think everybody was kind of waiting to see Martinsville get lights. I kind of like the fact that it's a Sunday afternoon show. I hope they don't go to Saturday night. Uh, I love the fact that it's actually a, uh, a Sunday afternoon show. But maybe for the truck series, they could run a night race. I would like to see them try and run a doubleheader with the Xfinity series. I doubt that happens. Um, but all, all in all, I think uh, if you have them, you might as well use them. You know what I mean? And um, I definitely think it's going to be something that could – Changed the game as far as nobody's ever run in the Cup Series. Nobody's ever run um, a lap under the lights at Martinsville. You know, how does the track look? Are you going to be able to see, see the same things you used to break into the corner that night that you see during the day? How does it light up the track? Um, how does it affect the handling is a major issue is, you know, will it affect the handling? I'm sure it will. You know, it's a, it's a track that every track's temper, temperature sensitive. We don't know the difference really between Martinsville uh, at night and the day. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah, I think it's going to be, um, it's your favorite race on the, on the circuit. You love Martinsville more than anything. Um, mm-hmm. I think because of the temperatures with it being raining and everything like that, I really think you're going to struggle to get the track rubbered up. And I think it's going to turn into the follow the leader, um, everybody around the bottom to try to make sure that they get everything accomplished. But it's going to be an interesting way to see how they do. And NASCAR, ISC didn't spend $5 million put Martinsville just to have it there on the hope that they may need to run it a little later and turn the lights on for those 50 laps because they're starting it at 3 in the afternoon. Agreed. And I think when you look at uh, that, I think that's absolutely true. Real quick, John, give me your winner at Martinsville. Johnson. Oh, good. Okay. Listen, wouldn't surprise me. I think this is, this is his only weekend, I think, to go out there and win and advance to Homestead. I don't think the team has enough at Texas. I don't think Hendrick's proven that. I don't think he's going to run great at Phoenix. 
So I think this is the weekend Jimmy Johnson's got to win if he wants to have a chance at this championship. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Denny Hamlin. I think Gibbs is where, where they need to be. Obviously, Truex, I think, is going to be strong as well. Not as strong as they are in the mile and a half, but I think they're going to be very good. So should be interesting to watch. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles tonight. Uh, we'll be back here after Martinsville. Uh, can't wait for it. It's Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.